Well, good morning, church. Thank you for being here today. Um, you know, we've been in a series on, on uh, finances. Today we're just doing kind of a standalone message. It's not part of any series. I want to ask you a question I think lots of us can relate to. It's a question perhaps you've been dealing with lately. Uh, it's a question that's a common question for lots of Christians. And here it is. Do you ever feel like you're in a rut spiritually? Have you ever thought or said, Lord, I honestly don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this. Now, now the interesting thing is, and it's only, it's almost kind of strange. If you're in a rut, you are likely still doing most of the things you've always done. For example, you're in church today. Even though you may be in a spiritual rut, you're still coming to church. And I bet for lots of you, you haven't stopped reading your Bible. Now, it may not be speaking to you like it once did, but you haven't stopped reading your Bible. Uh, You haven't stopped praying, probably. There may be times when it feels like God's not listening, but you probably continue to pray. You still believe in God. You still believe the gospel. None of that has changed. But something has changed in you. You can't quite put your finger on it. You're... Somehow you're not moving forward. You're not making progress. Somehow you just feel stuck. Now, if I've just described you, I think that something that Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 may help you today. So let's open God's Word to Mark chapter 4. Matthew, then Mark chapter 4. As you're turning to that, let me tell you that I was reading this passage in my own personal quiet time this week, and my attention was captured by what I read in verses 24 and 25. But before we get to, into all of that, I want to give you the context of this text. Because the context will help you understand what this text is all about. This is a little bit of a difficult text to comprehend and understand. And so if you'll put it in the context of all that's happening in chapter 4, I think it will make more sense to you. So, to give you the context, start in chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that, that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat, sat in it out on the lake while the people who were along the shore at the water's edge. So here we have in chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus is teaching, and where is he teaching, class? By the lake, by the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Lake of Gennesaret. And so here's Jesus, and he's teaching. Now keep that in mind. What we're going to be reading in chapter 4 is what Jesus is teaching. Chapter 4, verse 2 says, He taught many things by parables. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen. And then he would go on and tell a parable. So in what we're reading in chapter 4 is, is a series of parables. So we have verse 1, he's teaching. Verse 2, he's teaching in parables. And in verse 3 through 20, we have the parable of the sower. Very famous parable. We don't have time to read it or, or to talk about it. But it's basically different responses to the Word of God. It's a story uh, about God's Word and how it's not received with equal effect. This is the parable of the sower. By the way, a, a parable is, some, is, a, is a story an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. 
It's a story that Jesus would use, an earthly story, to illustrate a spiritual truth. So Jesus is teaching by the lake. He's speaking in parables, telling stories to illustrate spiritual truth. First story, first parable, is a story about the sower and the seed, explaining the different effects that the Word of God can have on people. Then we come to verse 21 through 25, which is our text. And in verse 21... Here's what it says. He said to them, and remember now, this is just right after the parable of the sower. He said to them, do, do, you bring in, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, that's our text, but before we start talking about what that means, we need to get the other side of that text so we can totally understand the context. So in verse 26 through 28, Jesus tells another parable. It's the parable of what? You've got little headings in your Bible. What is this parable? parable of the growing seed. It's a parable about the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is like, and he tells this parable, this story about the growing seed. And in verse 30 through 32, it's the parable of the mustard seed. Again, a story about the kingdom of God. In verse 33 and 34, we'll read those verses. With many similar parables, stories, illustrations, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. So, lay your Bibles aside for a moment. Look this way. Our text today that we're going to look at in just a moment, our text today is right in the middle of a series of parables. And every story, every parable deals with either one of two things, the Word of God or the Kingdom of God. So the text we're going to be looking at, this somewhat difficult text, probably has something to do with either the Word of God or the Kingdom of God, or maybe both. So, let's look at it again. In verse 21, Jesus begins this story by talking about a lamp. Here's what he says. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? Now, he was probably talking about a lamp like this one. This is a lamp that I got in Israel. It's a replica. It's a clay replica uh, of the kind of lamps that were used in the days of the Bible, especially in the days of the New Testament. This larger hole would be where you'd pour the oil in, usually olive oil. You'd pour the olive oil in there, and in this smaller hole, that's where they would put the wick. This one doesn't have a wick, but you'd put a wick down into the olive oil, and you'd light it, and your flame would be right here. And so Jesus is using a lamp as an illustration. He said, let me ask you something. When you light a lamp, do you bring it into the room in order to put it under a bowl or under a bed? And the obvious answer is what? No. Everyone understood. That doesn't make sense. Jesus even said, no, you don't put it under a bowl or a bed. You put it on its stand. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that 
illustration sound familiar to you at all? Think about it for a moment. Does that sound familiar to you at all? It should sound familiar to you because Jesus used that illustration more than once. In fact, this saying about the lamp and the bowl and the bed and the stand, this apparently was one of Jesus' favorite illustrations. I think it's encouraging to me that uh, Jesus was like any other teacher or preacher. He had his favorite stories. He had his favorite illustrations. You know, he, he just would think about this. He went from village to village to village to village. Do you think that he made up a different sermon every time? No. No, he told the people in this village what he told the people over in that village. Oh, it may have changed a little bit. He may have emphasized something different. But, but essentially what he said at that village and that village and that village is the same thing he says in this village. So wherever he goes, he's preaching probably the same stories. The disciples are probably like, yeah, we heard this. Yeah, I know where he's going with this one, don't you? I mean, it, just today's, in today's time... You see these evangelists, and they go from church to church, and you think, man, that guy can preach. I'm telling you, he didn't preach a bad message. Every message he preached was an awesome message. Man, that is a great preacher. You know why? He's only preaching seven messages. He's got the same seven he uses over and over and over at every church. He doesn't have to prepare for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. He's preaching the same seven sugar sticks every church he goes to. But I'm over it. It's okay. I'm trying to... In, in some form or fashion, Jesus did that as well. I want to show you this. Uh, look in chapter 5, verse 14. Uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You're going to have to turn quickly. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Uh, look in, chapter, look in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 33. Luke chapter 11, verse 33. I, in, in my own imagination, I can just see Peter and John and James and the rest of them, and they're in another village, and Jesus starts talking about the lamp and the stand and the bowl and... and and Peter elbows John and says, oh, I like this sermon. This is a good one. He's going to talk about he's the light of the world. That's not what he says. Look at verse 33. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. Totally different story. Totally different application. Same illustration. And then we go to Mark chapter 4, verse 21, where we were, where we started out. Mark chapter 4. He uses that same illustration, this time with a different application. Mark chapter 4, verse 21, he said, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? Jesus used the illustration of a lamp in this context to say, The Word of God should have a prominent place in your life. The Word of God is not intended to be something that is hidden. The Word of God is not intended to be something that is a secret that you can't see or understand. The Word of God is like a lamp. A lamp on the stand that has a prominent place that helps you, 
is for your benefit. Verse 22. For whatever is hidden is meant to be, what's that next word? Disclosed. Whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is to be brought out into the open. God's Word is like a lamp or a light. It's meant for to be for your benefit. It's not meant to be hidden. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Because God's Word is intended to do that. It's intended to be that. It's intended for your benefit. For over 2,000 years, millions of people have viewed the Bible that way, as a message from God. Millions of people have viewed the Bible as a special word from the Lord. And in fact, there are 2,600 different times in the Bible where the writers of the Bible claim to be speaking the words of God and not the words of men. And so what does all that have to do with you stuck in your rut? Well, look at verse 23 and 24, and I think we'll start to get a picture. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a way of saying, listen up. It's a way of saying, if you've been sleeping, now's a good time to wake up. And then he says, consider, what's that next word? Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. Consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Now, wait, 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 Pastor, don't you mean listen carefully? No. Listening is passive. Listen, you can listen and never do anything with what you hear. The Living Bible says, be sure to put into practice what you hear. Because the lamp, the Word of God, is for your benefit, you need to consider carefully what you hear. Because God may be saying something that you need. God may be speaking something to your life that will help you. So rather than just listening, letting it go in one ear and out the other, rather than just sitting passively and never responding, consider carefully what you hear. Because God may be speaking a word for you. And then Jesus got even more personal and more practical in verse 24 and 25 when he said, With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. You might want to underline those three words, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Now, I want to try to help you to understand that. He says, with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Uh, The spoon would represent your time in the Word. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And so you got your little open windows, and you take your little open windows every day, and God says, okay, if that's, if that's the level you want to work on, then there you go. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with open windows. We have open windows. I, I read open windows. It's in our house right now. But I do want you to watch this. Open windows, by the way, you can get through that in about two or three minutes. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. What if you decided you're going to go a little deeper? Dave Storey saw that spoon. He said, man, you've got to have a big mouth for that one. I said, yeah, that one's yours. This one's mine. What if your Bible study went like this? God, I'm going to try to figure out how you want me to live this. I want to dig in and see how you want me to 
handle this situation. I, I want to read your word and not just try to get knowledge, but, but I want to find out how you want me to live this. And God says, okay, with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. You're spending that much time trying to figure out how to fix your marriage. You're spending that much time trying to read and figure out how to handle this temptation. You're in the Word. You're digging into the Word trying to find out how to get out of debt. God says, with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And then I love these next three words, and even more. I want to get on, in on the even more. How about you? And even more. This is what William Barclay calls the law of increase. The law of increase. The more you know, the more you're capable of knowing. And that's true in the Word of God. The more you know of God's Word, the more you're capable of knowing. It's also true in, a, in other walks of life. For example, you can learn the richness of any foreign language, but you have to start out with the, with the vocabulary, don't you? You have to start out with the alphabet, and then you have to build on that. And the more you know, you learn the alphabet, you learn, learn a little grammar, the more you know, the, the more you can learn, the more you can uh, gain in knowledge. It's true in all areas of life. The law of increase. Have you ever tried to train for running something, like running a race, running a 5K or something? The more you run, you know what I found in training? The more you run, the farther you're able to run. The more you train, the more your body will allow you to do. That's the law of increase. It's true with playing an instrument. You start out and you're trying to play that piano, you're just kind of banging the keys, and you, it's just awful. But, but you learn how to place your fingers, and you learn how to read sheet music. And you, you, the more you know, the more you're able to know. The more you learn, the more you're able to learn. It's the law of increase, and it's true with the Bible. Those, watch this, those who apply God's Word to their lives are giving, given more spiritual food. The, the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. When you respond to the truth and try to live the truth, you receive even more truth. It's only as we put God's teaching and practice into life that we understand this book. That's what James says, James chapter 1, verse 22. Uh, go there real quickly. We, I think we'll can be able to read it real quick. James chapter 1, verse 22. Here's what James says. He says, do not merely listen to the Word. Listening is passive. You can sit there every Sunday and listen to the Word. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Take the spoon and do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word passively but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at, it, at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and can, look at this, and continues to do so, continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If you're in a rut, if you can't seem to get out of it, you don't know where to start, can I tell you, this might be a good place for you to start. Don't just listen to the Word of God, and don't even just read the Word of God, but decide that you're going to do your best to start living the Word of God. And if you'll consistently do that, the law of increase will kick in. The more that you know, 
the more that you'll learn, the more that you'll be able to know. Your knowledge of the Word will begin to grow. You'll find yourself moving forward and progressing forward in your walk with God once you start putting into practice what God has shown you in His Word. So it might be something as simple as this. It might be something as simple as taking a notebook and saying, my month in the Word. And in the month of of June, for for example, you're just reading through the Scripture one or two chapters a day, and you're finding one verse that you're going to try to live. Just one verse you're going to try to put into your life. And you're going to honestly try to put it in your life. So you're writing out an application. This is how I'm going to try to live this in my marriage. This is how I'm going to try to live this at my business. This is how I'm going to try to live this with my family. This is how I'm going to try to live this, whatever it is that the word is that's spoken to you. And then you write out a prayer asking God to help you live out that verse. What would happen? What would happen if every day, every day there was just one verse you were trying to remember and live Every day there was one verse you're trying to put into practice. If every day you're saying, God, I'm going to dig in here, and I'm going to try my best to do this, not to gain Bible knowledge. It's not about how much knowledge you have of the Bible. It's how much you're living the Bible that matters. What would happen if every day you just took a big spoonful? With the measure that you use, God says, it'll be measured back to you and even more. It's the law of increase. But before we leave, I also have to tell you about the law of decrease. The law of decrease. Jesus spoke about the law of decrease in the next verse. Verse 25, second half of verse 25. Here's what he says. Mark chapter 4, verse 25. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Now let me put that in current day language for you. Use it or lose it. When you do little or nothing with the truth in God's Word, you tend to lose what you do know. Now, this is so easy to illustrate. I want to ask you a question. I want your participation. How many of you in high school took a foreign language like Latin or Spanish or French or something like that? Raise your hand if you took one of those in high school. Very good. Put your hand down. How many of you have forgotten most of what you learned? Raise your hand. Exactly. And all the teachers say, oh, man. But you, you know why? If you don't use it, you'll lose it. In college and seminary, I took Greek and Hebrew. I can't remember how many years I had a Greek and Hebrew. I have a Greek New Testament in my office. I have a Hebrew Bible, Hebrew Old Testament in my office. And I'll confess to you, I recognize the alphabet, but I can't read it anymore. You know why? If you lose it, if you don't use it, you lose it. It's the law of decrease. I mean, you see it in all kinds of life, all aspects of life. Remember when some of us trained for the 5K, to run the 5K? You know what 5K stands for? 5K is 5,000 miles. That's what it felt like. But guess what? I stopped running. With my hand in the air, I can tell you with all all honesty, I could not run five minutes now because it's the law of decrease. When you don't use it, you lose it. I used to play the guitar. When I was in college, I played the guitar. That might be a little bit of an overstatement. When I was in college, I had a guitar. And I knew some chords, and I had calluses on my fingertips. And I could play a few songs. 
Now my fingertips are soft. I remember two chords and part of one song. It's a law of decrease. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Here's what Jesus said. And this is the part of the verse that puzzled me for a while. Look what he says, verse 25. Whoever does not have even what he has, he doesn't say you will lose. He says even what he has will be taken away. Now remember that he's talking about the Word of God. Even what he has will be taken away. And that confused me for a while until the Lord reminded me that this verse is attached to the previous parable. And in the previous parable, look what it says in verse 15. Same chapter, verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word, the word that is the word of God, is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and does what? Takes away the word that was sown in them. Satan comes and takes away the word. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. If you're not using the word of God, if you're not trying to live the word of God, even the word that you hear and read, you can lose it. It'll be taken from you. What does that mean? What does it mean that he takes it away? Well, it simply means this. You'll have in some ways a, a, a bit of spiritual dementia where you, you kind of remember some of these things, but you can't remember in detail. And you can't remember where they are, and you can't remember exactly the spiritual truth that you learned. You remember learning something about it, but it's all kind of foggy right now because when you don't use it, you will lose it. They'll take away that spiritual truth so that your life will not be changed. You see, the Bible is the means God uses to complete us and to mature us. And when we neglect to act on what we hear and what we read, we are setting the stage for Satan to take away the spiritual truth from our lives. Now, there's no other pass or no better passage, rather, than Hebrews 5 to illustrate this. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Let me show you something. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, says this. We have much to say about this, right of Hebrews says. We, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God, notice this, of God's Word, all over again. Isn't that interesting? By this time, you ought to be a teacher. By this time, you should know so much of God's Word that you could actually teach somebody else. But actually, in reality, you need somebody else to teach you all over again. Because it's the law of decrease. If you're not using it, it'll be taken away. You'll lose it. Look what he says. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by, notice this phrase, who by constant use, not constant reading, 
not constant hearing, but by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. There are five words you may want to write in your Bible, either in the column of, of Hebrews chapter 5 or perhaps in the, in the front of your Bible. I would encourage you to write down these five words. Use me or lose me. That's what your Bible is saying to you today. Use me or lose me. It does not say read me. It doesn't say listen to me. It doesn't say hear me. It says use me or lose me. It's the law of decrease. Now I want to close by asking you about Ezra. Have you heard of Ezra? He's in the Old Testament. There's a, there's a book that he wrote called Ezra. Chapter 7, verse 10. You might want to look at that sometime. You may even want to turn there right now. Chapter 7, verse 10. In Ezra, we have a model for the value of personal Bible study. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, here's the model that would be good for you to put into practice. It says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Ezra devoted himself to three things. Ezra devoted himself to the study of the law of God. Ezra devoted himself to the practice of observing what the law of God said. And then Ezra devoted himself to teaching others what he had discovered. Would to God that his tribe increase. That there would be people who would say, you know what, I'm not going to depend on Pastor Keith for my spiritual growth. I'm not going to depend upon just some little time in the Word and then wonder why I feel so stuck. But by God's help, I'm going to find a way to dig in. And I'm going to find a way, not just for Bible knowledge. I'm going to tell you, listen again. It's not about how much Bible you know. It's about how much of the Bible you're living. And you say, Lord, would you honor this prayer? Would you just show me one thing to live today? And you dig in. Lord, would you just show me one thing to live today? Ezra devoted himself to study, to observing or putting into practice what he had read, and teaching others. I want to ask you a personal question, and with this I close. Don't answer out loud. Are you in a rut? Do you feel stuck spiritually? Do you find yourself saying, Lord, I honestly don't know what to do to get out of this? Here's what you do. Show me. May your word be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Show me how to live differently. Father, in the name of Jesus, show us all how to live differently. How to live in a way so that our lives would bring glory to you to you and your name. Show us, Father, in the days ahead, maybe this week, maybe this month, we would be able to commit ourselves to digging in and learning how to live differently. 
putting into practice what you've shown us. Help us to use it so we don't lose it. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.